that nothing remained the same. Christmas is the celebration of hope come into the world and Advent that we celebrate, that we light the candles for, is the anticipation that one day he will come again to make things right. Because we know we live in a world that is not always right. Struggles, hardships, and yet we know that we have hope. In the name of Jesus, the question is, for all of us, how will you respond to that hope? How do you respond to the hope that Jesus brings into the world? The first Christmas, it changed the course of history. I mean, we just heard it. Shepherds were in the fields and they heard a good news. Darkness had been spreading across the land. The Middle Eastern world where Jesus was born into was a land of battles and wars and people fighting over the homeland. Everybody wondering, is God going to do anything? But God was silent. For 400 years, nobody had heard from him. Until Zechariah the priest went to give the offering to the Lord and an angel showed up. Hey, Zechariah, I know you're old. I know that your wife is old, but she's going to have a son. Something's going to happen. This, this son that is going to be born to you, he is going to prepare people for the Messiah. That's his job, a voice crying out. Hey, Mary, I know you're a virgin. I know you're only 14 years old, but the angel showed up. Guess what? You're going to have a child. The Holy Spirit is going to come into you. This is what's going to happen. Emmanuel, he will save his people from his sins, from their sins. Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. Joseph, innocent carpenter, living the life, engaged to a young woman. When an angel shows up and says, hey, by the way, here's what's happening. I need you not to be afraid, not to be worried about marrying her. Because she's carrying the Son of God. Your life will never be the same, but hope is coming into the world. Silence breaking. Light beginning to pierce the darkness. And the story that we just heard and the story that we're going to look at today is the story of that night when those who were in a stable, laying a child in a feeding trough, heard a baby's cry that broke the silence of God and meant hope for the world. In the hills of Bethlehem that night, there were shepherds caring for sheep that were meant to be sacrificed at the temple. Eight days later, Simeon and Anna were in the temple worshiping God and praising him when they saw the fulfillment of the Messiah. Wise men in the east saw a star. And they said, we must go worship Herod, the evil king, the tyrant, tried to stop it. Today, we're going to look at four different stories. Each one, people who responded to hope. And as we see their responses to hope, I want you to ask yourself the question, how do I respond to the hope of Jesus? How does it change my life? What does it do? We're going to be in Luke 2 to start. It's a passage Mallory just quoted for us. The shepherds and how they responded to the hope that they heard. Luke 2, verse 8. 
Now, while he was serving, sorry, that's Luke 1, Luke 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Can I just stop for a moment? If you're an underlining type, I need you to underline the word all. Because I know that there are some people in this room and people listening online who may not believe that this is good news for you. And in scripture, when we see this and the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. We need to understand this is for everyone. Not just those who come to worship on a Sunday morning, not just those watching online, not just your neighbor, but for that person that you really struggle to love. This is good news for all. Verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying... In all caps, like your parents texting you. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Good news changes the course and direction of anything that you are planning. The shepherds heard good news that night and left their sheep in the fields. About a year ago, our family was packing our bags, getting ready to fly across the ocean to see our son, to hold him for the first time, because the good news that our adoption was soon to be over, and we had a court date on Christmas Eve, meant that we had to go. We had to be in country Christmas Eve. It was two days later. But it meant that we had to go. It meant that the good news would change everything. I remember sitting in my office that October and hearing, hey, you need to be there. And I'm thinking, what? There's so much happening. There's so much going on. And yet, because of good news, we dropped everything. The shepherds that night dropped everything to go and see the good news. To see the child who had been born. They left the sheep in the fields, their one job that they had to watch these sheep, and they left. Because good news of great joy that would be for all people had come to them. That phone call that you get from your daughter, she's on the way to the hospital for your first grandchild to be born. 
the moment when you hear that the house you've been wanting is finally on the market or that it's closed. That moment from the doctor when the cancer is in remission. You don't need to worry anymore. And good news changes the course of everything. It changes the course of our lives. And the shepherds heard the good news that night. And they immediately responded by leaving their sheep to go and worship the newborn king. They heard about Jesus and could not help but going to see him. They told everybody there, hey, this is what was told to us. And then they went on their way glorifying and praising God because of what he had done. And eight days later, Simeon and Anna heard the good news. Luke 2, verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, or the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles And for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna, two really kind of unique individuals. I think it's fascinating that Simeon is not described as anything other than a man who is devout and righteous. In other words, he's a man who follows God. And he is living by where the Holy Spirit tells him to go. I mean, that's what we see about Simeon here, right? The Simeon is a devout and righteous man, and the Holy Spirit is upon him. 
And the Holy Spirit said that he wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so he came in the Spirit into the temple, following where God was leading, keeping in step with where he's leading. He sees the child. He takes the child from his mother, which is kind of weird. And he says, thank you, Lord. You can let me die in peace now. Because I've seen all that you would bring. Revelation to the Gentiles. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I mean, Simeon's response to the child is to worship and glorify God to say thank you. Here he is. Then you have Anna, the prophetess, who comes into the temple every single day. She prays and fasts. She's seeking God. And she comes up at that very hour and immediately begins to tell everybody, here he is. <laughs> Everything that you've expected, the Messiah is here. She cannot help but tell people about Jesus. I mean, Simeon's response is to worship and glorify God. Anna's response is to immediately tell as many people as she can about Jesus. When you come face to face with the Messiah, how do you respond? Do you glorify him? Do you tell everybody that you can about him? Matthew 2. The wise men. Now. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? We, we, uh, for we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. After Jesus is born, a star appears, they immediately go. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. As men from Persia traveled day after day when they saw the star to come and see the Messiah, their response was one of great joy. You ever been someplace for the first time? Maybe it's see your favorite team play and you walk outside the stadium and you cannot help but get excited as you pull up to the place. Maybe it's the first time you go to Hobby Lobby or every time you go to Hobby Lobby. 
Maybe it's the first Christmas special on Hallmark of the year. And we get excited. The wise men, they saw the star, they got excited, and they could not help but rejoice because of what God was doing. I mean, their response is to a star. Oh, the king is born. We have to go worship him now. You ever traveled a long distance to see your favorite band? Or to see that grandchild of those grandparents? I mean, the wise men were seeking the answer. They wanted to know who Jesus is. Max Lucado says it like this. He said, Matthew loved the Magi or the wise men. He gave their story more square inches of text than he gave the narrative of the birth of Jesus. He never mentions the shepherds or the manger, but he didn't want us to miss the star and the seekers. It's easy to see why. Their story is our story. They're seekers like us, longing for the king, longing to see him. And when the star shone as brightly as it could in the night sky, they went. Because they wanted to see the king of kings. They wanted to see the king of the Jews. They had been waiting for this. I don't know if this is true or not, but if the Israelites were in captivity in that area of the country, then they had probably heard the prophecies about the Messiah coming. And something had trickled down, and when they saw the star, they thought, this is it. We need to go see this thing that has happened. They were seekers who immediately, when they came to the place where Jesus was born, went in and worshipped him, bowing down. It was more than just the little kids in the nativity play bringing their gifts up with their crazy tall hats. It was wise and rich men who had studied the stars saying, we have got to worship the king of kings. When the light of good news shines brightly, we respond. And they responded by traveling to worship. Is that our response? Bowing down to worship the king? Understanding the truth of the gospel in our own lives, the good news? Or is it to ignore it? The story isn't that wise men saw a star and didn't do anything. The story is that they responded in hope and traveled to worship the new king. But then you have Herod. Verse 13. When they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled by what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they are no more. And Herod, Herod was so riddled with jealousy that if anybody seemed to be a threat to his kingdom, he killed them off, including his own son. 
In fact, Herod really wasn't supposed to be the ruler, but he had gotten in close enough with Rome that when he went, he could argue his case and say, hey, let me be the king. And Rome said, okay. He was political. He was a magnificent builder. I mean, much of the Middle Eastern world had incredible buildings and architecture and canals because of Herod. In fact, in Jerusalem, he had tried to win the favor of the people by tripling the size of the Temple Mount, making a larger place for them to come and worship God. But the people didn't really like him. And when he heard that the king of the Jews had been born, he wanted nothing to do with it. I mean, Herod's response is to try and stop it. The dream given to Joseph is that Herod wanted to destroy the son. He wanted to destroy Jesus. He was the hand of the enemy, longing to squash out hope in God's people. I mean, if God had been silent for 400 years, why would he speak now? Why was this the time? I mean, Romans tells us that at just the right time, Christ died for us. So it must have been just the right time. And the enemy knew that if the Son of God came into the world, he better get busy. Because now that hope had come, he didn't want people to experience it. So Herod played the part. All male children in Bethlehem under two years old age slaughtered. Just like Pharaoh had all male children in Egypt slaughtered, all the Israelites Right before God led his people out of slavery. And now God wants to lead his people out of slavery to sin. And the enemy is going to do whatever he can to stop it. I mean the enemy, Satan, wants to win the war. He wants to keep you in sin. He wants to keep all of us in sin. He doesn't want anybody to experience the hope that Jesus brings that Christmas reminds us of. The enemy came to steal and to kill and destroy not to see people free from sin. Sin is his work. But 1 John 3 tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. If Herod wanted to destroy Jesus, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. The response to hope of Jesus too often for so many is that we ignore as Herod did. We get caught up in our own ways. We fail to see the goodness of our Savior. We fail to see the hope that Jesus brings, the hope that we have because of him. Too many in our world look for reasons that hope couldn't possibly be true. Life has beat you down. Things are hard. You don't have the resources that you think you should. It's been a little bit more difficult for you this year than for anybody else. Maybe hope can't be true, and yet the lies of the enemy are seeping in. And Jesus wants you to know there is hope in him. We who are in Christ know it's true. We know that Jesus coming into the world that first Christmas night wasn't just a good story for us to tell our kids. It's God becoming flesh, the word from the beginning coming down to us to say, let me give you hope. Because Christ was born, but Christ grew up and he died to save us. He was buried, he rose again to new life. He ascended into heaven and he will come back again. Christ has died. Christ has risen and Christ will come back again. But the enemy, he wants to stop it. That's Herod's role. 
Satan's role is to stop the hope that we have, but he will not succeed. Good news cannot be destroyed. The angels proclaimed good news of great joy for all people. Glory to God in the highest, the Savior is born. We have hope. We have hope in that Savior. We have hope that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have hope in his name. Hope that this story isn't just something we tell each other, but that it is true and we live like it is. Until he comes back again, we have hope. That Advent hope, that anticipation that Jesus Christ will come to make all things right. And we get to share that hope with the world. That's the response of the shepherds. They told everybody what had been said to them. Everybody marveled. Anna, she's going around the temple going, hey, guess what? Here it is. Here it is. Let me tell everybody I can. Here it is. I mean, the wise men, they're like, we're the last people that anybody would ever expect to be there. I mean, think about it. Simeon said, hey, it's a light of revelation for the Gentiles. Well, here come the Gentiles marching in from Persia. You're not of Israel. You're a different race. You're a different creed. Why are you coming to worship? Because that's who God came for. Jesus Christ came for all people. But we always have an enemy to hope, and Herod tried to squash it out. My question is, who are we more like? How do you respond to hope? How will you respond? I'm more and more convinced that faith isn't scaring you into an option between heaven and hell, but showing you just how much Christ loves you and wants a relationship with you. That it's about transforming our lives. That he has come to give us life, to redeem us from the punishment of sin, but to lead us into a loving and kind relationship with him. The hope that we have because of him. He came into the world to save us. And he'll come again. The creator of the universe became flesh and blood. The word became flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only. And he gives us hope. And we need to respond to that hope. Maybe the response is like the shepherds and Anna. You have somebody that you're going to sit next to as they open presents this week. Or virtually you're going to watch them open presents that you've sent. And they may not know the hope that Jesus brings. Maybe your response is to tell them about that hope. Maybe the response you have today is to worship. It's been a hard year for you. Struggling to believe if God is real. Struggling to believe that there really is hope. And he's reminding you, just come to me. The light is shining brightly in the darkness piercing your soul. You accepted him a long time ago, but following him has been kind of hard. And he's saying, just come, bow before me and worship again. Worship today. Worship tomorrow. Seek me. And maybe the response that you need to have is to surrender. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe for the first time in your life you're hearing that Jesus loves you. That he died for you, that he came to save you, that he came to give you hope and life forever. And maybe 
you need to say, I need to surrender my life to him. Because the hope I have in him is better than any car I might buy. Better than any amount of money I might earn in my life. Better than any status that people give me. The status of being called his child is greater. You need to confess him and believe in him. Repent and be baptized and come to him as your savior. Maybe you followed for a long time, but you're holding on to something that is keeping you from following him. And you need to surrender that thing to him. How will you respond to the hope of Jesus as he invites you into relationship, as he says, come and follow me? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. The good news is that no matter where you are today, Christ came to give you hope. He came to write a better story. Sinners become saints. Salvation has come. The story is not over. The hope that we have at Christmas is that the Son of God came into the world of darkness to give you life, to give me life. So how will you respond to hope? Father, I pray that we would be people unashamed to follow you, seeking your face, knowing your goodness and grace in our lives, knowing that no matter what our past says, you call us out, out of darkness and into light, that you are the true hope of the world. So God, help us to be people who follow Help us to be people who share. Help us to be people confident in your name. And confident enough to make the decisions we need to make in these moments to follow you. It's in your name we pray.